Let's talk heat or more importantly, staying cool during the summer. This summer, of course, we heard the B.C. government would be providing 8,000 air conditioners to medically vulnerable low-income households. Over the next three years, we also heard news reports which showed frustrated tenants from multiple buildings around the Vancouver area being told by their landlords they wouldn't be able to install air conditioning units because of the impact they would have on the suite. Well, the city of New Westminster wants to change that. Last night, New Westminster Council passed a motion to explore ways to make cooling in rental units a necessity. Joining me now to discuss the issue is Nadine Nakagawa. She's a New Westminster city councillor. Nadine, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, happy to. Uh, what does this motion mean? Well, it means that the city of New Westminster is going to look at ways that we can make it mandatory that rental buildings will have cooling options in place for renters. Um, knowing that New Westminster was the most impacted during the heat dome two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we know that this is a really crucial step for people in our community. When you say New Westminster was most impacted by the heat dome, what do you mean by that? Well, we had 28 people die in our city alone, which was, for our population, was, I think, the highest anywhere in BC or close to the highest. And we can't be okay with that. We have to uh, take whatever action we can. And knowing that the Residential Tenancy Act isn't in our jurisdiction, um, we need to look and see what we can actually do to make sure that the the building that tenants live in is livable knowing that we're going to have more of these extreme heat events in the future. So the bylaw that you wish to introduce eventually would basically make it mandatory for uh, a person to have access to air conditioning in their unit? Uh, and B, would the onus be put on the landlord then? So it's not necessarily that it would be air conditioning. It would be that they would have a room that would stay cooler than 26 degrees. And we know that for some some rental units, like let's say basement suites, they might just be already cool enough. So they don't need to have air conditioning. We're not saying that every unit needs to have air conditioning. And there might be other options for other buildings, like bringing in things like heat pumps, um, which are, you know, a pretty major uh, addition to. So it's not being too prescriptive about what it means, but it's saying that there should be a room in each unit that, that is under 26 degrees. Um, and we know that that's essential because even though the city is doing everything that we can, to provide uh, like cooling centers or our uh, emergency uh, response is, is trying to uh, encourage buildings to have a cool room in the building as well. All of that is really great, but not everyone can leave their unit to access those spaces. So making sure it's in the spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd be, lo- we'd be looking at that as an option. Are you in, in many cases, we've been hearing over the summer that uh, with the government, provincial government announcing that they were going to make 8,000 air conditioners available uh, to vulnerable low-income households in, over the next three years, there were reports that um, tenants, some of them were told by their landlords they wouldn't be able to install the air conditioning units. Uh, and I'm assuming the landlords are ex- uh, were concerned about the impact on the property itself, how, the, how they would be installed, that sort of thing. Um, now, as you said, the tenancy rules are provincial, not municipal. How does, how does a bylaw in U.S. Minster get around that in, in your mind? Well, that's what we need to look at and see. Uh, New Westminster has a, a history of being creative in finding solutions for tenants. An example of this is that we brought in a bylaw to prevent, prevent against renovations that was using business licenses, and it was very effective. It stopped renova- renovations in their tracks, essentially, in our municipality. And the province later took that up. But you're absolutely right in saying that 
uh, you know, I've been hearing this from tenants as well in my community that landlords are saying that they can't install an air conditioner um, that will impact their tenancy. I know myself, I have signed a tenancy agreement that prohibits me having an air conditioner. And there's a lot of rental units that, like, I used to live in a bachelor unit, and I just had a sliding glass door. A standard air conditioner wouldn't work in that. So there's a lot of reasons why that program still left gaps for tenants, and we're trying to address that. And, you know, you asked me earlier if this is putting the, the onus on landlords. Well, it's putting the onus on landlords to provide a livable unit for tenants. And just like in the wintertime, they have to have access to heat, just like we have access to plumbing and water. We are saying that cooling is a necessity to life now. That's just the reality that we're in. And so, yes, landlords should have responsibility for that as well. Uh, you know, when you look at the temperatures, uh, you know, 35, 36, 37, 38, certainly in the interior, uh, those those temperatures go very high. We're a bit more temperate, but we hit high numbers as well when it comes to temperature. Um some would argue that eventually you are going to need some type of cooling system. We just can't rely on, you know, maybe a heat pump. But, you know, there's, there are going to be people who need the traditional air conditioner of some sort. Do you think this should be legislated, though, on a province-wide uh, uh, level that, look, uh, landlords should be responsible for a cooling system just like they're responsible for providing heating? Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, you and I talked about this some months ago when a motion to that effect came to the Lower Mainland Local Government Association conference. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't supported by the municipal councillors from around the Lower Mainland to ask the province to do that. So this motion that my colleague Tasha Henderson and I brought in was really in response to that. Well, if we're not going to ask the province to do something collectively as city councillors, we're going to do something in our own municipality. But I do think that this needs to be province-wide because we are not, it's not just that New Westminster is the only community impacted by this. Um, tenants all over BC deserve the right to livable housing. Uh, why do you think the motion before the lo- lo- Lower Mainland Local Government Association failed in your mind? Well, there's a few things that I can tell you for sure. One is that tenants are underrepresented at local government. Um, I myself am the only renter on my city council in a city that is almost 50% renters. You know, and the arguments that I heard on the floor were the concern about how much this would cost landlords. And, you know, that is a fair question to ask ourselves. And we know that it costs some tenants their lives. So, you know, that is, that's the argument that I heard. I know what my priority is, and that's making sure that people can survive extreme weather events. Um, and hopefully, again, once, once we're able to explore what this would look like in New Westminster, Hopefully other municipalities can pick it up as well, and hopefully the province will see that this really is the route to go. Do you see that motion uh, being revived once again uh, and brought forward next year? Yeah, certainly. I think it's worth having the conversation and again and again because you know this summer was moderately hot. We don't know what next summer entails. So um, as we see more and more climate events around our region and the province and the world and really feel the impacts of those ourselves for our neighbours, you know, on the news, I think we build empathy and we start to understand the scope of the problem um, and what those impacts will be on people. So I hope that people start to change their mind and see this as a really essential piece of work. So the motion that was approved yesterday, how long before it comes back to council, the conversation continues and even a potential bylaw, how long do you think that will take? I can't tell you for sure. I know that um, at the city of New Westminster, we love to task our, our staff with challenging and unique work. Um, So I know that they have a a number of other projects that are going on. But again, even once we contemplate what a bylaw would look like, 
maybe bring in a bylaw, it would take some time for, for buildings. It's not like the, all of a sudden you bring in a bylaw and the buildings are changed. Mm-hmm. They would need to upgrade and, and, and do that work. So um, hoping that we can bring back this conversation very quickly because the work will take some time and we know we don't have that much time before we see another event like this. So do you think this could be done by the end of this year or are we talking about springtime? I hope, I, I would hope it's by the end of the year because again, by the time we implement it, it will be springtime. Um, I, I don't think we'll see the buildings upgraded by next summer just because these things do take time. So the sooner we can get this conversation going, the better. And to confirm, you're the only municipality that you know in Metro Vancouver that's doing this right now. Correct. Um, I know that uh, Christine Boyle in the city of Vancouver had encouraged some of similar work. And there is one municipality in Ontario that's looking at it as well. Um, but we are we are the first to, to actively contemplate this. Nadine, thank you for your time. Always enjoy our conversation. I uh, look forward to chatting with you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much, Jess.